theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Praise God. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 4. To the book of Matthew chapter 4. Praise God. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 1. Verse 1. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1. Get out your Bible or your Bible app. If you don't have your physical Bible with you, put that Bible app. That Bible app should be on the, like the first homepage. It needs to be like a prominent widget on your iPhone and you don't have anything else I don't if it's an Android device I don't even know if we can call that a phone praise God I don't know what that is (laughs) Pastor Barry keeping me in check praise God thank you Uh, for your birthday I know what I'm getting you praise God I'm, I'm calling you out of that I'm praise God and a new anointing will be on your life sir Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 praise God some of you don't feel the presence of God you might have to check the device that you have sorry sometimes it's sometimes I'm funny sometimes I'm not okay and today clearly I'm not when Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward he was hungry Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered him and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Praise God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Praise God. I do want you to know if you're going through it, if you stick it out, the devil will leave. He will leave. Praise God. He will leave. I want to preach to you in this kingdom series that I'm just going to keep preaching the kingdom. Kingdom identity. Kingdom identity. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God. Kingdom identity. In this passage I just read to you, we see Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, standing in a place, battling something that I think you and I battle. If we're being honest, we all have had this fight. And at least if perhaps you think you haven't, can I tell you, if you just keep living, you most certainly will. 
if you have had this battle then you know exactly what i'm talking about it's the battle of knowing that you belong to jesus christ i'm talking about the challenge against our claim that we belong to god somebody needs to be reminded today that you are a child of god you are a child of God. See, the enemy understands the power uh, that exists and is released into our lives when we know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Look at John 1 and 12 in the ESV. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Praise God. I need you to know when you believe Jesus Christ is the God of all creation, that he became the sacrifice made from the foundations of the world to forgive it of its sins. And if you believe, like Jesus said, if you believe on him as the scriptures have said, when you repent of your sins, and by the way, you don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. But when you repent of your sins and you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And can I tell you, when you apply the name of Jesus Christ to your life, everything that he died to give you belongs to you. When you take on the name of Jesus Christ, the healing that he died to give you and rose from the dead, it's yours. The peace is yours. The hope is yours. That expected end is yours. Victory is yours. Overcoming power is yours. Whatever is his is yours. The only way you can lift up this book and say, I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have is if you have taken on the name of Jesus Christ is anybody thankful for the name of Jesus today and here's the other component of the new birth you are filled with his spirit see you and I can't become children of God without the power of God see sons and daughters of God not becoming uh, hear me sons and daughters of God did not become sons and daughters of God just because they put their name on a membership role. I don't want anybody to get upset at me, but I need you to understand there are people whose names are on membership roles at church, but their names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life. It takes the power of God to become the sons and daughters of God. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want you to know that when you receive his spirit, you receive power. Power to overcome that bad attitude. Power to overcome a destructive or an addictive habit. Power to overcome your past. Power to walk boldly into your future. Power to stand up against the wiles of the devil and keep standing because there is something that is greater in you than that is in the world. Does anybody know what I'm talking about do you have the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside and see the enemy knows the enemy knows when you have experienced the new birth that that power is released into your life and immediately I need you to understand immediately the enemy becomes totally committed to causing you and I to question if we really are sons 
and daughters of God. See, it is one of the great tactics of the enemy to make you feel like you don't belong to God when you really do. I need to, I didn't say it, praise God, but I, I'm just, Lord, I'm releasing the love of God. Praise God. I'm releasing the love of God in this place. Faith. I'm releasing the gift of faith and your angels to minister as they see fit, God. Let your love cover us in the name of Jesus. Praise God. See, we like to blame the devil for everything. Y'all have to pardon me because I'm hot. <laughs> we like to blame the devil for everything. Y'all know what we do. We blame the devil for the flat tire when in reality it was the nail. Y'all going to act like y'all, I mean, we like to blame the devil for uh, the trouble we have in our finances. When in reality, it's our unwillingness to live within the means of a budget. The devil ain't playing with your money. That's your, that's your lack of desire and discipline to say no to yourself. But we like to blame everything on the devil today. You know, we like to talk about, oh man, what, what, what happened to your friend? What happened to your boo or your bae? Oh, that it's the devil. No, the devil. That's not the devil. That's your bad attitude. That's your unwillingness, if you will, to stop being so self-absorbed. Can I tell you, you fix your attitude and your behaviors. You'll fix your relationships. We just cannot blame everything on the devil. And we cannot blame what we just read on the devil. Read the text again. It, it does not say that the devil drove him into the wilderness. It says, look at Matthew 4, 1. When Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whew. See, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. But what if I told you God isn't interested in your comfort, but he's interested in your development? What if I told you God isn't interested in your ministry, but in the development of your character? See, yeah, yeah. One of the reasons we have people right now getting bitter and offended with God is we preach a God who wants to make us happy rather than make us holy. Sometimes God will put us in situations not so that we can fall, but to reveal to our enemy that we really are who he said we are, that we really are who he declared that we would be. I'm trying to get you. What if I told you the spirit of God was not setting you up to show you how weak you are, but to show your enemy how extraordinary you are in Jesus Christ. See, the wilderness it's not about causing you to fall. The wilderness is about a test. Not a test to make you turn and renounce your faith, but a test to reveal who you really, really are. You don't know what you have until you have to get a hold of it. See, you don't know what you have down on the inside of you until there's a little bit of pressure. <laughs> I want to tell you right now, some of you need to hear me. You're going through a wilderness and your theology isn't helping you understand that the wilderness you are in has nothing to do with God not liking you or God being displeased with you. 
the wilderness you and I are going through sometimes, it's simply a reminder, a reminder to the enemy and even a revelation to ourselves that we really do belong to him. See, why? Why, why would the spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? I'll tell you why, because Jesus wanted us to see that the test in the wilderness was not just about him. It was actually about him demonstrating to you and me that we can make it through the test. Oh, I need you to listen to me. Do you understand that we serve a Jesus who knows what it's like to be alone? Who knows what it's like to feel abandoned? He knows what it's like to feel empty and tired. He knows what it's like to be stressed out. He went through the wilderness so that he could feel what you and I feel. He went through the wilderness. With, listen, we've got questions wrapped around our mind. And we have all types of uncertainty. And it looks like there's a little bit of chaos moving in our lives. We feel pain in our bodies, grief in our minds. And we have more bills in some cases than we do money. We got kids who perhaps are drifting away from God. Can I tell you? And we're here still to praise him. But the reason why we feel what we feel is because, and I'm telling you, God is bigger than everything that I just mentioned. I'm telling you, though, the reason we can still serve God, even when we're having a bad day, even when we think we cannot make it, is because we serve a God, a high priest, who can sympathize, sympathize, with our weaknesses but was at all points as we are yet without sin therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need he knows what it's like to go through some things he's not some aloof deity sitting in some far removed corner of the universe He's been where you and I have been. See, that's why I praise him because he didn't just expect something of me. He didn't show me how to do it himself. He said, I'm going to show you that life on this planet can be hard. Life on this planet can be challenging. Some days are better than others. But I want to show you that in spite of every demonic attack, you have been promised victory. In spite of every bad day, in spite of every bad report, in spite of every bad diagnosis, I'm still God and I'm still on the throne. I'm, in, I'm still in control and I've got you. Somebody needs to praise him because he's got you. Somebody needs to be reminded he's God of the hills and he's God of the valley. I'm telling you what he showed us in this text today is that he's been through the wilderness and he's felt the pressure and he made it. I'm here to encourage you. You will go through the wilderness and you too will make it. Oh, praise God. So you look at this, Matthew chapter 3. This is crazy because Jesus' temptation, it comes after one of the most defining moments in Jesus' life. I want you to think about what's getting ready to happen, what I'm about to show with you here. If you just go back to Matthew chapter 3, the, the end of it, you'll find Jesus coming into the region of Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. Look at Matthew 3, 16. 
When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. Watch this. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like, let me just put emphasis there, like a dove. Didn't say a dove, but like a dove. In other words, do you see that? Sometimes we, we miss things and this is important. So the Spirit of God is descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Praise God. You know why? If, if you study this out, this is so plain. I, I mentioned this a while back with Noah, the first reference we see about a dove. And that dove, when Noah released it, it was symbolic of a new way of life, a new future. Jesus is coming saying, I've got a new way of life. I've got a future for you all. If you all would let me get this in you, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Did you notice the three things that happened there in that text that I just read you? The heavens opened. The spirit of God moved. And the voice of God spoke. I don't know about you today, Extraordinary Church, but I'll be all right if the heavens open, the Spirit of God moves, and He speaks. I don't know if you'll ever get a new car. I don't know if you'll ever get that promotion you're seeking. I don't know if you'll get that raise this year, but I do know you'll be all right if the heavens open, the Spirit of God moves, and the voice of God speaks. Some of you need to thank God that when you pray, the heavens open, the spirit of God moves, and the voice will speak. All hell might be breaking loose. The nation might be going to hell in a handbasket. I might not be able to make it another day in my flesh, but when I call on the name of the Lord, the heavens will open. The spirit of God will move, and he will speak. Is anybody thankful we serve a speaking God? today those are the three things we need I'm thankful to be a part of a church where the heavens will open the spirit of God will move and he'll speak praise God look at this so he says the Lord says in verse 17 and suddenly a voice came from heaven this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased it's one thing. It's one thing, and it means a lot to me. Don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not, I'm, I grew up in an affirming home. My, my parents, not that they could be excessively affirmative uh, or affirming, excuse me, uh, but there was no shortage of affirmation in our house. Uh, I'm thankful for that. It was a nurturing environment in that regard. Uh, it's one thing to have somebody uh, come up to you and prophesy and say, oh, God is pleased with you. It's one thing to have somebody come up and say, God is, God is pleased with you. But it's an entirely different thing for the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord to speak. You are my son. You are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I've had those moments, Pastor Barry. Praise God. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to calm down here. Help me, Jesus. I got, let me stay in my lane. Praise God. We're trying to take communion here too. But here's what I want you to understand. Watch this. 
You know what? I'm going to say it. There were times, thank you, Andy, I am, I am, praise God. There were times when I've been at home, and you know what? The heavens open. The Spirit of God move, and he would speak. And you know what really messed me up? It was never predicated upon how I performed. I need you to let this sink in because... See, Jesus hadn't preached one sermon. <laughs> he hadn't healed anybody's blinded eyes, unstopped any deaf ears. Hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead yet. And he hears, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> well, why did he hear that? Why did he hear that? I'll tell you why. He's the son. <laughs> I need you to get this. I need you to get this. When you experience the new birth, okay. Listen, she's mine. And until she says I do to another man, you belong to me. And that woman right there, praise God. I know she's probably like, ah! I could say the same for Lincoln. He's not in here right now. That is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he doesn't have to do anything to get me to love him. The, he just has to be my son. There is nothing. I want my kids, I believe and declare my kids are going to do great exploits for the Lord Jesus Christ. But whether they do or not, my love for them will never change. She could be struggling. I still have her come sit right here on the front row. I'll be like, my baby is here. I give God praise. I'll brag on her. My chest will always be puffed out. It makes no difference. She could be on top of the world doing great exploits for the, uh, for the kingdom. My chest will still be puffed out because she's mine. I'm here to let you know I'm trying to get this into your spirit. You can't perform your way in or out of the love of God. You need to simply allow him to love you for who you are. You are his. You are his. I'm not talking about your unredeemed nature. I'm talking about your redeemed nature. I'm talking about what he redeemed in you. You belong unto him and you ought to give him praise. This is why. This is why right now some of you all work so tirelessly. You run back and forth like suicides. You just go, y'all see, that one, I was just jogging. Praise God. You proud coach? That's my coach in the back there, praise God. You know what? Steven got me going, boy. He got me out there. I'm sprinting, running as hard as I can one minute. Never mind. Anyway, praise God. So, but we're running back and forth. We're running back and forth. Why? Because some of you don't understand the revelation of rest. Because you're always trying to do something to earn something. And if God can get you to rest, if he can get you to sleep, just like he did with Adam, he'll take something out of you while you are resting and create the greatest gift that you have ever been given. 
if you'll learn to rest. See, in order for God to give you what you need, he's going to have to put you to sleep and take the fight out of you. God, because you're so busy thinking you got to run here and run there. I want you to know today that some of you can't get what God has got for you because you're too busy trying to do it in your own strength. And the danger of God letting you do it in your own strength is that if you do it in your own strength, you won't know who to give the glory to. But when God lets every door slam, when God doesn't allow the phone to ring, and when all of your connections get dried up and all of your resources come to naught, and you don't have anywhere else to turn and you can say like Adam my God I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to just have to go to sleep and God says that's exactly what I need you to do rest in me because in a position of rest I'll do something in your rest in your stressless rest that you could never do in your own strength are you hearing me this afternoon some of you just need to rest in him why don't you just begin to lift your hands unto the Lord? Well, yeah. Lift your hands unto the Lord and just begin to receive his rest. He said, come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. It's easy. It's light. Come on. He is your rest. Come on. Stop striving. Stop pushing. Stop trying to manipulate things. You can't earn your way into this. I'm telling you right now, depression will fall off of you if you'll stop striving. Performance anxiety will fall off of you if you stop striving and rest in Him. Woof. Come on and tell Him you love Him. Come on, come on, tell Him, teach me to rest. Teach me to rest. In other words, teach me to abide in you. Teach me to find myself complete in you. Woof. Spirit of God is pleased. Jesus hadn't done a thing yet. Praise God. See, all of us, we're consumed with how much we do for God. Our identity is tied up in what we do rather than who we are. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, you are my child. I'm well pleased. Whew. See, the revelation that some of us need to get is God's not impressed with your playing. He's showing impressed with my singing, my oratory or your creativity or your planning or whatever it may be. He gave you those gifts. God wants you to know he loves you just the way you are. Every idiosyncrasy, just the way you are. You know, I was thinking about that as I was writing this this morning. Pastor Bear, I already know where I'm going. I thought to myself, Billy Joel wrote a song. Don't go changing to try to please me. <laughs> You've never let me down before is what he said. I said, my God, I'll sing that to her later this evening. Praise God. He said, I, well, never mind. I ain't here to preach Billy Joel. Let me preach the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. But what I need you to understand is you're his. And you belong to him. And he loves you just the way you are. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell him God loves you. Come on, look him in the eyes and tell him God loves you. So this same, this, Jesus goes from this defining moment of knowing who he is. And the spirit leads him into the wilderness. And this is what I came to talk to you about for just a moment right here. Satan comes to challenge his identity.
there is a two-letter word. You know, we like to talk about, ooh, that's a four-letter word. But this is really a two-letter word. If, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the son of God, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. If you will fall down and worship me. See, this word if, these two letters set our minds and our thinking in a course of defeat. And if you're not careful, everything Satan attempts to do to us in our life causes us to question our identity in God. It doesn't take much, okay? It doesn't take Satan much, hear me, to convince us that we're not who God said we are. In fact, sometimes it takes one failure or one mistake. How many times have I said it, baby? We're not in a moral crisis. We're not in an economic crisis. But what kind of crisis are we in? Praise God. My preacher's got it. An identity crisis, okay? Let me just tell, all right, let me give you an example. How many times have you been in a worship experience and the spirit of God is moving? And man, you know what? The heavens open. Spirit of God moves. The voice of God speaks. And then you, you get home. Matter of fact, you don't even get home. You get to the restaurant. As a matter of fact, you don't even get to the restaurant. You get to the car. <laughs> and you go say something as stupid as can be. And you know what the devil does? Well, if that really just happened in there, you wouldn't have said that. And immediately sets your thinking on a course to defeat. I want you to think about that for a moment. Immediately a voice comes. If that prophetic word were true, you wouldn't have fallen into that temptation. Immediately, that voice comes and says, if you really were or are a man or woman of God, you wouldn't have done that. And in one moment, in one moment, all the faith you had and confidence immediately, it's gone. And you find yourself thrusted into the throes of if I am a child of God. Now, I recognize that most people here in in this room, and some of you, I don't know, are perhaps very rooted in God, and you haven't struggled with this. You're grounded in faith, but it would blow your mind to realize how many people come to a worship experience every Sunday and really question their identity in God throughout the week. And the reason Satan does that to you and me is that he understands if he causes us to question our identity and lose our faith, then we are forfeiting operating in the power of God. And then we will walk around and our failure will speak louder than his righteousness. He understands that. See, what do we do when we fail? Do we allow our failure to define our future or do we allow his righteousness to declare our future? I'm going to say that again because I thought I would get a better response. 
What do we do when we fail? Do we allow ourselves to define our failure to define our future or his righteousness to declare our future? Because if my failure defines my future, I have no future. The reason you are not a failure is that the righteousness of God speaks louder than your failure. My God. And the only reason you have righteousness is because he imputed righteousness to you. <laughs> this is not permission to fail, but this is encouragement to get up when you fall and not fail that same way again. I'm here to let you know you can make it. Here's something for you to put in your back pocket. What Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary is greater than what you could do for yourself. So, Jesus finds himself in the wilderness. And watch this. Look at how Satan approaches him. How many of you all have ever fasted before? Okay, we got a few people that have fasted. Now, let me just be clear. I ain't talking about no... We, I, we do it. We don't do it exclusively. I ain't talking about no fasting from Instagram. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> uh, I feel like my old, my prophet. I ain't talking about no Chipotle fast. We, 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 <laughs> we call Chipotle. We talking about some Daniel's food and dance. I'm on a Daniel's fast. I can only eat a Chipotle. First of all, I got news for you. Chipotle ain't a Daniel's fast. <laughs> Praise God. Let me just help you right there. That stuff, they got so salty and seasoned. Praise God. And we think we're doing something. You're talking about something you sacrifice unto the Lord. And you already told me, you fast on Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> that ain't a fast. That's deliverance. <laughs> That's what that is. All that mess, you fasting media. <laughs> you gonna bust hell? I'm telling hell out, hell gotta run from you with them kind of fasting. No, I'm talking about fasting food. I'm talking about abstaining from food. So you fasted before. You fasted a day, three days, five days. I know me when I fast. Even some of y'all right now, praise God. I told her I ain't talking about food no more because I'm working too hard. I'm running too much. I'm exercising too hard. I was, out here, I was out there yesterday. I did four miles yesterday, and I was like to myself, what, 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 what? I was like, my brain. And then people, y'all just keep blessing me. Apple pie show up, praise God. Peach pie show up. I said, Lord, it's the best pie I've had in my life because I hadn't had some in a while. And then Lincoln reminded me. He's like, well, you just have some for your birthday. I was like, oh, man, I forgot it. But before that, I hadn't had any in a while. But it seems like whatever I'm fasting, oh, pastor, we want to take you out to eat to this Brazilian steakhouse. I'm like, man, I've been trying to get to that Brazilian steakhouse for two years. And the moment I decide to fast, you want to take me right now? <laughs> I know, Pastor Barry Kobe, we got to leave right now. I just told the Lord I'm fasting. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It seems like every time you want to fast, 
Next thing they know, oh, somebody, I'm just cooking this uh, jerk chicken and I just brought some into the office. I wanted to bless everybody. I just said I was going fast. Crazy. That's why I don't go to Costco. They be right out. They don't do it now prior to COVID. Praise God. But little sample, she already knew where I was going. Praise God. I'm like, I, you all in my face with these samples. And here I am trying to fast. I, can, I remember the first time I fasted. Faye, I was looking at that microwave because I, I was, it was 23 minutes, 23 hours and 57 minutes. I put my food in the microwave three minutes so that it would be ready at 24 hours. I was like, I'm going to eat this food. I was ready to eat this food. Now, that was one day for me. That was the first time. That was my first time fasting. But for me, it's like the moment I commit to fast, I go from hungry to hungry. I didn't say hungry. There's a difference from where I'm from. You can be hungry, but I'm like, that's the old King James English. I was in hungered. I was hungered, hungry. Jesus fast 40 days. 40 days. Not one, not three, not five, not seven, but 40 days. And watch the strategy of Satan. He comes into the wilderness. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. He questions the identity of Jesus and attaches it to a temptation to fulfill his flesh in his own power. In other words, what he's saying to Jesus is, you're hungry. You have the power to make these stones bread. And if you don't, well then you're not the Christ. How is Jesus going to respond to this catch 22? If Jesus turns the stone into bread, then Satan successfully lured him into getting him to use his power for selfish gain. How do you win this battle? I told my wife earlier this week, there's only one way you win this battle. It is written. And the blessing for that in me is that in spite of every temptation that will come to us in our future, our answer is not going to be written. Our answer already is written. There is no temptation that will come to your future that God hadn't written something about it already. All you've got to do is know your word in such a way that when the temptation comes, you don't have to go get some inspirational book off the shelf. You can open up your mouth and declare, it is written. You can say, no devil, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What if I told you your answer wasn't coming, but your answer has already been written? Jesus, praise God. Man, God, I feel this thing. I could preach this thing right now in Huron, Ontario, and Dundas. I need somebody to get this in their spirit and understand what I'm saying. I'm about to bless myself on this afternoon. Can I tell you? God is not going to come up with my healing. He already wrote about my healing. 
He said he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, and the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. He's not going to give me a promise about joy. He already wrote my promise about joy. He said, weeping only endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. My God, I'm thankful that heaven and earth will pass away because his word shall remain forever. And if you know your Bible, it will bless you when all hell is breaking loose in your life. Because the Bible says the word of God shall not return to him for it. If God wrote it down, he meant what he said. And he said what he meant. Heaven and earth are established upon the word of God. This is how big his word is. Look at the 138th Psalm, verse 2. Oh, Jesus. Praise God. I want you to see this. You need to highlight this in your Bible or in your Bible app right now. Look at this. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. His name is holy. His name is righteous. His name is a strong tower. His name is Jesus. And what, and what I'm trying to get you to understand is his word has been elevated, magnified above his name. In other words, he has to submit himself to what he said. What is written in this book, hear me, what is written in this book is greater than what the enemy is saying to you. I'm here to let you know. And I don't want anybody to be upset with me. I'm telling you right now, there'll be headaches, there'll be COVID, there'll be cancer, there'll be diabetes, there'll be heart disease. I could go right down the list. There'll be every kind of ailment you can think about. And I'll still preach healing to the day he takes me home. I'm telling you right now, he is a God that heals. As a matter of fact, he said, I sent my word and healed every disease. Will we die of something? Absolutely, until he comes to take us back home. But you come too late to tell me he's not a healer. I can testify to myself. He is a God who is able to heal. He can heal a headache and he can heal a heartbreak. I'm here to let you know he is a God who is able. Give him praise if you believe that. Don't allow your circumstances to change what's written. It is written. It's greater than what the doctor said. It is written. It's greater than what the banker says. It is written. It's greater. This is why we work hard. We save. But the first thing I do, I, I haven't preached on this except that one time I did a series. And we pray a blessing over you. This is why we pay our tithes. I know it's tight, but that's okay. Praise God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we pay our tithes because it is written. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you, my God, that you will not be able to contain. I'm not arguing with God. 
or whether or not it's gross or if it's net. I'm not arguing with God what's a tithe. I'm going to tell you what a tithe is. A tithe is 10%. I was tithing before I became a pastor. I was tithing before I came, became a preacher. I'm telling you right now, God has blessed me in ways that I cannot imagine, ways that I couldn't have imagined. He's given, listen, I'm telling you, I live this and I don't do it. I do it obediently. Not only do I tithe, I give to the Lord. Let me just put this in your pocket. I'm not mad at anybody. First of all, God doesn't need your money. Let me just settle that right now. I want everybody to feel comfortable. Oh, my God, Pastor Akil's talking about money. I've never heard him talk about money before. Well, yes, you know what? Uh, The scripture talks about money a lot. But let me be clear. God doesn't need your money. (laughs) But he wants something for you. And if you would learn to trust him, I was tithing. If, you, if you're saying right now, well, I just need to make a little bit more money before I start tithing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you won't tithe over $50, you won't tithe over 5000 Trust me. Trust me. But if you'll tithe, you'll watch God do something. And you can't tell me I preach about tithing. There's, there's times I forgot to even say anything about the offering. Like two weeks in a row. Most pastors were like, let me take you outside, <laughs> out back. <laughs> like, you can't do that. But if you would get this in your spirit, according to the word of God, it would bless you in ways that will blow your, your mind. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Listen, I have had, Sarah was giving me that look like, you need to hurry up. You need to hurry up. But what I'm talking about is, listen, I've had, oh God, I have said, God, you know, we've been faithful. I'm going to go on vacation. I won't go on a cruise. Somebody come up to me and said, Lord told me to send you on a cruise. Didn't that, did it not happen? We didn't drive that car today, but you know what? I said, Lord, I want a car. I was driving a white Haunt, a Nissan Sentra. Thing was so tight, Lincoln's knees was in my back. I said, Lord, I need a new car. I said, I want a white Honda Accord. I just went about my business preaching the gospel. And you know what? We got a phone call. You asked the Lord for a car. We said, well, yeah. What do you say? They sent us a picture. You asked the Lord for this car. Go to the dealership and pay cash for it. I'm telling you, it is written. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? I'm glad to give him 10%. As a matter of fact, I'm returning the 10% to him because it belongs to him. But when I get a chance to give him an offering, I give him a a free will offering. I give it cheerfully. I bless God because he's been good to me. See, God wants to bless us. He wants to show us what is written. He wants to show us how to look into the manifestation of his promises. But sometimes we want to walk in our own way and then claim the promises of God. And it doesn't work like that. Let me hurry up. I'm going to give you all some hope. Praise God. Let me see here. Okay. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if, if. There you go again. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands. They shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Satan says, why don't you display your power 
Because if you'll throw yourself down, angels will come and catch you. By the way, that's just a side note that Satan knows the word of God too. That's why it doesn't impress me if you know the Bible. I want to know, does the Bible know you? Everyone, he said, everyone will see that you're the Messiah by this great display of power. And what's the problem with that? Why can't Jesus display his power? The problem with that is Satan wanted to tempt Jesus to display his power. And God never invites us to use his power in a way that becomes our own launching point. The power of God being demonstrated through our life can never be used for self-aggrandizing purposes. Jesus would never violate the love of the Father's heart by using his power in his messiahship in this instance and say, hey, watch me jump and angels will catch me. This is the failure of the modern day church. We thank God gave us a pulpit to produce a sense of self-importance for us. And if we just show everybody how loved we are and how many followers we are and how loud we can be, then people will heap affirmation upon us and adoration and will attain the approval of men. But Jesus understood the power of humility. He said, I will not use the power of God for self-exalting purposes. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus is the perfect picture of how to handle power. Whew. And then, again, the devil, verse 8, took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the final thing that Satan does, he takes Jesus on a high mountain. And in one moment of time, he shows him the kingdoms of this world. And Satan says to Jesus, these are all mine. <sighs> what's, what's the temptation here? The real temptation, are you ready? Here is for promotion without process and without struggle. I need you to let that sink in for a moment. See, the real temptation here is authority without accountability. See, this is why for anybody who wants to do anything in ministry in particular, especially leadership ministry, then can I, I'm just going to put this in your pocket. If you expect to serve in leadership ministry here at Extraordinary Church, you need to understand it is just that you are a servant. This is why I celebrate. You know what? I celebrate it. I, I'm, I'm here at one o'clock and there's, a, there's probably two dozen people that get her around this time and they clean these chairs. I'm not just talking about with a spray. I'm talking about wiping the chairs down. That's called a servant. I, there's people in the hallways sweeping and mopping, you know what, and, and, and cleaning toilet bowls and doing all that. That's called a servant. Can I tell you, you don't get... To, you, you, can't over, you can't skip over that stuff. You need to understand that there's power in process. You need to understand that there's development in struggle. You got to realize you can't be too proud. You can't be too eager to get to that place of elevation behind the pulpit or a mic to sing it. You got to know to serve. Here's where we mess up. Let me help you out right now. Let me just burst your bubble right now. You are not just anointed to 
preach or to play. You are not just anointed to teach a Bible study or to operate sound. You have an anointed life. So you're anointed when you're cleaning the toilet bowl. You're anointed when you're sweeping. You're anointing when you're, when you're visiting the sick. You're anointed when you pick up the phone and call somebody and encourage them. You're anointed when you join with somebody and pray. You're anointed when Tammy writes a poem. You're anointed. Your life is anointed. Somebody give him praise. Let me tell you why this is important. Some, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I need somebody to receive this. I need you to play, princess. I'm in the Holy Ghost. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost strong. The very reason right now why you haven't been able to walk in the visions and what you think your destiny is is because it's not been revealed if you can handle it. You've got to go through the process. You know what I love? We've only had maybe half a dozen conversations. But the Enswastes, they're here at the church, love the Enswastes. If you haven't met Luis and Vicky, just wave your hands. Praise God. Look at that beautiful family back. Look at, look at Luis and Vicky and Jason. Look, they're, they're boys. Look, amazing. You know what they said to me? Second or third week they were here. She said, Pastor, you let me know if anything needs to be done. Anything needs to be done. You call my family, we'll do it. You know what she didn't say? She didn't say, call me when you want me to testify. She didn't say, call me when you want me to preach. She didn't say, call me when you need me to sing a solo. Call me when you need me to do anything. Why is this important? Because Jesus was willing, read the scripture, Philippians, to make himself of no reputation. No reputation. When you looked at him according to Isaiah, you didn't think this is some dignitary. You didn't think this is some potentate. As a matter of fact, some could, couldn't even look at him. That's what the Bible says. See, you're anointed when you spill a little bit on your nice clothes. But you're cleaning so that people can come in and enjoy the presence of God. You're anointed when you're downstairs serving in children's ministry. You're anointed. Look, Carl Ann and I, and Simon, Sarah, we, we were anointed yesterday. Buckets of water. Just, I was getting all of them. I went after my flesh and blood first, praise God. Then Carla Ann thought she was slick hiding in the cut just like this. And I was like, I see her. I just hit a big bucket, just pow. But you know what? You are anointed. You're anointed. Because your life is anointed. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Let me tell you why this is important, and I'm, I'm, I'm parking here, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. I don't normally preach this long, but when I'm talking about the kingdom, this stuff gets in my spirit, and I can't get away from it. For Extraordinary Church to take the next step, 
you have to embrace a kingdom identity. In other words, that kingdom identity says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The kingdom identity says, the greatest among you, the greatest among you, I know I'm out of the camera shot, the greatest among you will serve. The greatest among you, are you hearing me? You are never made less by your service. You're made greater. This is why you want to know right now why I'm passionate about I'll run, I'll jump, I'll holler, I'll spin, I'll cry, I'll snot. I'm not even worried about it because he made himself of no reputation. Sarah will ask me, she, she knows I'm a germaphobe. Now this is COVID and we got different stuff, but we've been, she was like, I don't want to touch nothing. I was like the elbow guy and foot guy before COVID was cool. I'm telling the truth. I'd wash your hand, but I'd run to the bathroom right away. I was washing my hands for 20 seconds before, praise God, Apple told us to do it. But people be crying here at the altar. We be in places preaching, God be moving. People being set free, crying out to God. Snot would be hanging from their nose like this. I just get tissue. I just, they, they crying anywhere. I just get some tissue. And afterwards, Sarah would say, I can't believe you did that. I've made myself of no reputation. I don't care. I just want to help the people of God. So he said, hear me, and then I'll close. If you just fall down and worship me, you won't have to go to Calvary. You won't have to suffer on the cross. All you got to do, Jesus, is fall down and worship me. Don't tell me Satan doesn't want your worship. There is no one who is worthy to be worshipped. No matter what it means, I will worship nobody but Jesus Christ. There is no one or anything for whatever purpose that deserves your heart and worship but Him and Him alone. Am I saying you shouldn't give time to your family? Absolutely not. Am I saying that you shouldn't give time or enjoy your job? Absolutely not. Am I saying that you shouldn't give your heart to your spouse? Of course not. But what I am saying is, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. And then what happened? The devil left him. We're about to enter into something where in that understanding of identity and placement, the devil is going to be behind you. You're going to put him in his place. I feel the Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.